When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, there's something exciting about the earliest days of an aquarium, isn't there? After that initial construction work is done, um, there's that time when you sort of look back and I'll sort of allow the, the dust to settle, as they say, and that's just the very beginning. The startup phase is really not those first hours after you fire up the tank. No, no, no. It's a much longer affair, like maybe the first six weeks or so of the aquarium's existence. Yeah, those are the critical parts of the startup of an aquarium, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of change that happens in a brand new tank over the first six weeks of its existence. That's not to say that the very first moments of a new tank aren't the most exciting and even the challenging, of course. Uh, there's problems to solve, adjustments to make, observations to note, that kind of stuff. In fact, I find the most stressful part of setting up a new aquarium to be those initial 24 hours after you set up the new aquarium. Uh, you know, the time when the focus is on making sure everything's up and running fine. It's also that educational time for you as a hobbyist when you can sort of familiarize yourself with the way your aquarium will operate. It's a time when you learn to read your new tank, to recognize every sound that it makes, to know what's normal sound versus one that you don't want to hear, etc. And it's a time to make sure that the operating level of the water is optimal, you know, that kind of stuff, a time to dial in your heater, etc., etc. And we do tend to obsess over our tanks at this time, don't we? I knew, okay, at least I know I do. You know, making sure everything's running collect, correctly, you know, the tank's not leaking. It's kind of a time to make sure that the plumbing connections are tight because God knows what happens when we don't tighten them, right? And make sure the lights and the heater settings are correct and all that stuff. But that's just the mechanics of the aquarium. Getting those things buttoned up is important. And then the really fun part begins, you know, making the tank come alive, bringing it from a clean, dry, static display to a living, breathing microcosm filled with life. This, to me, is the most exciting part. And how do we usually do it? I mean, for many hobbyists, we've been more or less indoctrinated to clean the, the sand, age water, add wood, arrange plants, and add fishes. And that works, of course. It's the basic formula we've used for over a century. Yeah, and it works. Um, yet, I'm surprised as how we as a hobby have managed to turn what to me is one of the most inspiring, fascinating, and important parts of our journey into what is more or less a checklist to be run through, an obstacle really to our ultimate enjoyment of our aquarium. When you think about it, setting the stage for life in our aquariums is the single most important thing that we do. If we utilize a different mindset and deploy a lot more patience for this process, we start to look at it a bit differently. I mean, sure, you want to rinse and clean sand as much as possible, and you want to make sure that you don't have a piece of wood that's been soaked for a while. And Well, do you? I mean, sure, if you don't rinse your sand carefully, you'll get some cloudy water for weeks. No argument there. And if you don't clean your driftwood carefully, you're liable to have some soil or other dirt get into your system and more tannins being released, which leads to, well, what does that lead to? I mean, an aquarium's not a sterile habitat, right? The natural aquatic habitats, although comprised of millions of times the volume of water you know, that we have in our aquariums, are not typically pristine, right? I mean, soils from terrestri terrestrial geologic activity uh, carry with them you know, decomposing matter, leaves, etc., all of which impact the chemistry, the oxygen capacity of the water, the biological activity, and of course, the visual appearance of the water. 
And that's kind of what our whole botanical style aquarium adventure is all about. Utilizing that imperfect nature of the materials that are at our disposal and fostering and appreciating the natural interactions which take place in aquatic habitats. Understanding that descriptors such as crystal clear and pristine only apply to some aquatic habitats and that there's really beauty in all types of aquatic habitats. Indeed, the real magic in many instances occurs in the more murky, turbid, not so crystal clear waters of the world. And if we understand and accept this, we're likely to start our aquariums with a little bit, a little less concern over, you know, absolute sterile perfection. We can embrace the mindset that every leaf, every piece of wood, every bit of substrate in our aquariums is actually some sort of catalyst for sparking, you know, biodiversity and yes, a new view of aesthetics in our aquariums. Now, I'm not saying that we should not rinse sand or not soak wood before adding it to our tanks. What I'm suggesting is that we don't have to lose our shit if our water gets a little bit turbid or if there's a little bit of botanical detritus accumulating on the substrate. And guess what? We don't have to start a tank with brand new right from the bag substrate. Of course not. We can utilize some old substrate from another tank. We've done this in the hobby for years for the purpose of jump-starting bacterial growth. And we can use it for the purpose of providing a different aesthetic as well. And you can and should take it further. Using that slightly algal-covered piece of driftwood or rock in a brand new tank, it gives it a more broken-in look and helps foster a habitat more favorable to the growth of microorganisms, fungi, and all those other creatures which comprise an important part of our closed ecosystems. In fact, in a botanical-style aquarium, facilitating the rapid growth of such biotia is really fundamental. It's okay for your tank to look a bit, I don't know, worn from the start. In fact, I think most of us would actually prefer that. It's okay to embrace this from a functional and aesthetic standpoint. Employ good husbandry, careful observation, and common sense when starting and managing your new aquarium. But don't obsess over pristine, especially in those first hours. The aquarium still has to go through a few metaphorical hurdles in order to be a stable environment for life to thrive. Now, I'm operating on the assumption that most of us have a basic understanding of the nitrogen cycle and how it impacts our aquariums. However, maybe we don't all have that understanding. Based on some of the questions I get, I don't know. My ramblings have been labeled as moronic by at least one person uh, over time. So it's no biggie for me to, as the said moron to give an oversimplified view of the cycling process in the aquarium. So let's just touch on that, you know, for just a moment. Now, during the, the typical cycling process, ammonia levels will build and then suddenly decline as the nitrate, uh, nitrite forming bacteria multiply in the system. So because nitrite forming bacteria don't appear until nitrite is available in sufficient quantities. Excuse me, I said nitrite. Nitrate forming bacteria, they don't uh, start accumulating or appearing until nitrate is is available in sufficient quantities to sustain them. I told you this would be difficult. Um, Nitrite levels climb dramatically as the ammonia is converted and keep rising as the constantly available ammonia is converted to nitrite. Once the nitrate-forming bacteria arrive and multiply in sufficient numbers, then the nitrite levels decrease dramatically. Nitrate levels rise, and the tank is considered fully cycled. So in summary, and that was painful, I'm sorry, I suppose that you could correctly label your systems fully cycled as soon as nitrates are detectable and when ammonia and nitrite levels are undetectable. Now, in, in you know traditional aquarium circles, this usually takes anywhere from 10 days to as many as 4 to 6 weeks, depending on a number of factors. In my experience, there are certainly some cheats you can use to speed up the process, such as the addition of some media or the aforementioned sand or wood from a healthy and mature aquarium, or even utilizing one of the many commercially available bacteria-in-a-bottle solutions that can help you build populations of beneficial bacteria. I hate cheating, but I kind of like some shortcuts on occasion. So we have, at least for purposes of this discussion, established what I mean in aquarium vernacular by the term fully cycled.
Now, with a stabilized nitrogen cycle in place, the real evolution of the aquarium begins. Now, this process is constant, and the actions of nature in our aquariums facilitate changes. And our biological style, uh, botanical style systems change constantly. We know this. They change over time in very noticeable ways. The leaves and botanicals break down and change shape and form. The water gets darker. And often there may be almost like a patina or a haziness uh, uh, in the water column along with that tint, the result of dissolving botanical material and perhaps a bloom of microorganisms which consume them. This is perfectly analogous to what you see in the natural habitats of the fishes that we love so much. As the materials present in the flooded forests, ponds, and streams break down, they alter it biologically, chemically, and even physically. It's something that we as aquarists have to accept in our tanks, which is not always easy for us, right? Decomposition, detritus, biofilms, all that stuff looks well, looks different than what we've been told over the years is proper for an aquarium. And as much of, it's as much a perception issue as it is a husbandry one. I mean, we're talking about materials from decomposing botanicals and wood as opposed to uneaten food, fish waste, and stuff like that. So that's what's accumulating. What's really cool about this is that in our community, we weren't seeing hobbyists freak out over some of the aesthetics that were previously associated with dirty. It's really fundamental. And it's not like we've told ourselves that it's acceptable not to change water, siphon detritus, overstock, or overfeed. No, no, no. We can still perform excellent regular husbandry routines and embrace, you know, traditional tenets of aquarium husbandry on botanical-style aquariums. We're still diligent aquarists, and we still might have so-called dirty-looking water. And that's kind of what nature wants, right? I mean, always remember that nature plays by her own rules. These are developed over eons. When we accept her rules, embrace her aesthetics, and make a mental shift to something that the rest of the world might call messy, we can really appreciate its real beauty. We've made a collective mental shift. We've evolved right along with our aquariums. And it all begins right at the startup. Simple message for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. Stay patient. Stay ambitious. Stay curious. Stay excited. Stay diligent. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tannin.